a good afternoon and and uh, the Lord has blessed you today. I, I was certainly honored and, and blessed to have my pastor here today. Thank you for your encouragement and your support for him this morning. Um, I, I told Brother Hubert I aspire uh, to be him uh, one of these days and, and uh, I, think, I think he's dynamite and, and I've heard back from him several times today just how much he appreciated being in service with us in a church that was alive and uh, in his retirement he gets to go preach different places and uh, he said to actually walk in and see people who were actually awake man it was awesome and so thank y'all for staying awake today I appreciate that as your pastor <laughs> how many you ready to worship the Lord stand with me tonight I want to begin uh, with, a, with a word of prayer uh, tonight brother Hubert was sharing with me when he came in uh, brother Armin Allen uh, some of you know brother Armin some of you may not know brother Armin uh, Armin and Perlene are just a, a special part of our church family and have been for, for years and years and years. Uh, Brother Armin, uh, they're really uh, questioning whether or not he will make it through the night tonight. Um, the family's been brought in and, and visiting. He's still at home, uh, but the, we'd ask prayer for the family and for Brother Armin and Sister Perlene tonight. Just strength and encouragement around them. Um, it, it's one of those transitions times, right? What, what we heard in the Word today is we're all going to get there someday. Uh, Brother, Brother Armin has lived a, a full, strong life. He has lived a blessed uh, and a good life. And so uh, he's got something better waiting for him, and we all do. Uh, you, the, the selfish part of it is when it comes to us, though, right? Uh, we want to hold on to our loved one just as absolutely long as we humanly possibly can. Uh, but you know what? When the Lord's ready for us, it doesn't matter who we are or how old we are, He's ready for us. And so uh, we want to remember that family. Let's pray for them and let's, let's go into worship together. Father, I, I pray tonight for the Allen family. I, I pray for Brother Armin. God, I speak peace over his body. I speak peace over his life. I pray for Sister Pearlene tonight. God, I speak encouragement uh, for her and for all the children. Lord, I just ask that you'd surround them with love. Lord, may your angels come and minister to them tonight around and about their family and their home. Uh, Lord God, I just pray peace over that, that entire uh, property, over that entire place tonight. God, I, I pray tonight in this service, I, I pray, God, for an energy and for an excitement. Lord, we're here tonight to meet with you. We're here tonight to encounter you. Lord, I thank you for, for what you've done thus far today, but God, we're looking so forward to what you're going to do tonight. God, we love you and we praise you. We give you glory in the amazing name of Jesus, and we're going to take an offering in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, men, as you minister to the congregation. <laughs> Goodness, how is that me free? I can praise, praise. 
his goodness How is set me free I can shout, 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 shout all night, all night And when I think of his goodness What he's done for me When I think of his goodness How he set me free I can dance, 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 dance all night, all night Come on and give the Lord the highest praise, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise, hallelujah, hallelujah. And praise His holy name. And praise His holy name. Let's sing one more time. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord the highest praise, hallelujah, hallelujah, and praise His holy name, and praise His holy name, one more time, and praise His holy name. your name tonight father we honor you in this place God father just magnify yourself to us tonight through our worship God and through the word father father we are open for whatever you bring to us God in Jesus name amen father I see that you are drawing a line in the sand I want to be standing on your side Holding your hand, so let your kingdom come. Let it live in me. This is my prayer. This is my plea. Sing it again, Father. I see that you are drawing a line in the sand. I wanna be standing on your side, holding your hand. Let your kingdom living me this is my prayer this is my plea let the worshipers arise let the sons and the daughters see I'm surrendering my all I surrender to Awakening to sing from our heart becomes an anthem. Oh, hear the heavens ring. This is our song. Song to our King. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my own. Let the worshipers arise. 
for just a second and I'll come in in a minute. Father, we just wait on you, God. The Spirit is moving in this room. Father, we love you tonight. Father, we love you for the presence that you bring in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Just have your way in this service. Holy Spirit, you guide us. We will follow your lead, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us as the Spirit was moving over the water. Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Oh, rest on us, God. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us.
In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, when it all started, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth, it was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. You know, I think we all have that in the beginning moment. We're all, we all have that place of darkness. We all have that place of being void, <laughs> without form. The last part of verse 2 says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. That's how it all started. That's how it all began. was when the Spirit came and hovered over that, that darkness. Man, I believe the same Spirit that was there to hover over those waters is the same Spirit that's here 
to hover over us tonight. I want Sister Julie to sing through that chorus again. And as she does, I want you to think about that, that passage. What's, what's the, the thing that's without form? See, when the Spirit comes, it can, it can create life. It can create form. It can give direction. It can send you down a path that you didn't know anything about. What's that thing that's without form or, or that thing that makes seem dark tonight? What's the thing that the Holy Spirit can come and hover over in your life? Come on, let's sing this. Let's sing it through at least one more time. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Come on, lift your voice and praise Him. Come on, from your own heart. That's not a broken record message from your pastor. Worship should flow from your own heart. It shouldn't have to be stirred up by someone else. Come on, who is He to you? And what is He to you? And how has He blessed you? That's your, your act of worship. Lift it up unto God tonight. Father, You are you're amazing. You're precious. Oh God, we love You. Oh God, we exalt Your name. You're the God of healing and blessing and provision. You're the, the God of anointing and equipping and empowerment. Wisdom. The divine nature rests in You, Lord. Oh, and You rest in us. Lord, we praise You. God, we honor You. God, we exalt You. Oh, You're mighty. Oh, Lord, You're holy. God, You're worthy of our worship. Yes. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, can you surrender it to Him tonight? Lord, we just surrender to You. We approach Your throne room of grace boldness, Lord. We come before You, Lord. We come before You with open hearts. We come before You, God. Oh, how we love You. Oh, God, how we love You. We surrender it all, Lord.
have the thought in my heart and my spirit that the Lord's work in these last days is to prepare his bride prepare his church prepare his army sometimes sometimes he's a commander standing in and barking out orders marching orders to that great and mighty army preparing us explaining to us directing us encouraging us exciting us to the place that we're we're pumped up and we're excited and we're ready to go fight we're ready to get in the battle and there's other times the way that he prepares us is just crawl up in our daddy's lap and just let him wrap his arms around us I know that may not be the most masculine thing you can think of as a guy to think about crawling up in your daddy's lap, but I'll tell you what, I'd give about anything I had to have my daddy to crawl up in his lap. Our spiritual father, our Abba daddy, he's always there. And there's times that we just need to curl up in his lap and just let him hold us tell us it's going to be okay remind us that he's for us and not against us remind us that he's proud of us and that we can do it sometimes we need that loud thunderous commanding voice but man more times than not we need that still small voice that speaks directly to our heart oh I love him so much Can you lift your voice and your hands and just give Him one more praise tonight? Precious Father, precious God, Lord, how we love You. Lord, how we praise You. Lord, how we praise You. How precious You are to us, Lord. How precious You are. Unfailing, unending, unrelenting. Thank you for your still small voice speaking directly to our hearts. Thank you for your encouragement in these last days. Thank you for preparing us, Lord, for the battles we may face or walk into. God, thank you for for getting your bride ready. Oh, Father. Oh, how we love you. Lord, how we Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. He's so good to us. So much better than we deserve. Ah, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord.
don't you turn and tell somebody you love them tonight. What if? What if he's trying to prepare our hearts and our spirits? What if he's calling us out of our moldrums? What if? Right? There's no what if to it. It's a fact. God wants us ready, He wants us prepared. Oh, I think, as I was saying before, I think there's times He wants us to find our, our inner roar, our inner lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And He lives alive inside of us. And so we should have this, this inner roar inside of us, this, this inner shout, this inner excitement, this inner energy uh, that comes from God. But I also think there's times like like right now, where he just wants us to chill out, you know, and just listen and just hear him. I'm not going to be lengthy tonight, I don't believe. As I believe the Lord wants more than just a few of us to curl up in his lap tonight. Quite honestly, the word that he, he gave me for this night is more of a roar than it is a, a peaceful, quiet. But I also believe at the same time that he can combine those two things. I believe we have victory in Jesus tonight, don't you? One of my, one of my most favorite scriptures is that 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. It says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. We've got victory in Him. And, and it, it occurs to me tonight that it's not a sometime victory. It's not a just when the sky's blue victory. It's not a just when you know, everything is right and the stars all come into alignment and, and everything's going our way and it's a good day and I combed my hair the right way or you know nobody, nobody talked about me at school or... Somebody sat with me at lunch today, right? That's not the only time we have victory. If the only time we had victory was when things went the way we wanted them to go, what kind of a victory would that be? Because I don't know about you, but I have bad days. <laughs> Anybody? Have, I mean, we, we know what the Midas touch is, where, where everything you touch is, turns to gold, but, but there's days when you have exactly the opposite of the Midas touch where everything you touch turns to crud instead of turning to gold. And, and I think if we were honest, there's a lot of days when we stub our toes and we make mistakes and we do things we shouldn't do or, 
or, or problems come our way that are not self-inflicted, that we didn't bring upon ourselves. It's just the world and the life we live in. We've got problems, right? But the victory of Christ is not just for, for the good times. The, the victory of Christ is even in the bad times. We have victory uh, over death, hell, and the grave every day, whether the sun's shining or it's pouring down rain. Amen. We have victory over sin and sickness every day, no matter our circumstances or situation. Listen, I may, I may not always have everything I need or something bad may happen to me, but guess what? My name is still written in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? I, I have victory over temptation he gives us a way of escape that means i can have victory over temptation he gives me victory over lust and pride and the gossip that's talked about and said about the lies that are spread about he he gives us victory over those things darkness and depression i have victory over darkness can you can you understand can you grasp the reality you know when we some of you may have been like your pastor when when we were little kids I was, I was a little afraid of the dark. Can anybody else testify or be honest? Thank you for the honest people in the room tonight. Sister Vonda and I were, were talking the other night, and, and uh, I don't know, some, some scary movie came across the TV, and I told her, I said, used to be, uh, when I was a little boy, uh, Mom and Daddy would go to the neighbor's house to play dominoes, or they'd go to the neighbor's house to play canasta or something like that on a Friday night, and that meant I got to stay home by myself. Scary movie come on the television set and I was home by myself. Every light come on in the house and every door was open in the house. Why? Because I could run pretty good back then. And I figured if a booger man was going to come get me, that dude was going to have to catch me if he wanted me. Feet don't fail me now. I have victory in Jesus Christ over the darkness that would try to, to bring fear upon me. I've got victory in Jesus Christ in every area of my life. My finances, my home, my family, in my relationship, in my ministry, I have victory in Jesus Christ in every area. I believe it's time for the church to get up and walk in those victories. I think the church ought to recognize the victory that we have in Christ Jesus and, and live that out every day. Live that out every day. Sister Carol didn't know she was playing into my hand tonight, but boy, she did. I always, I've had people accuse me of the opposite in my, in my past. I've had people accuse me, accuse me of the opposite in my ministry, that, that, that I was uh, so proud of myself and I bragged on myself and I built myself up. If anything, I feel like I always have tried to do exactly the opposite and diminish myself and try to elevate somebody else. I think that's our job as Christians, to make us less and make somebody else more. Uh, if anything, I'm harder on myself sometimes than I should be. And I was so proud to have my pastor here today, right? And I put my pastor, there's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and then my pastor. I mean, that's just kind of the lineup from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, Gary Rogers. Honey, I'm sorry, you're down the list somewhere. I mean, just on down there. I, I admire that man. I, I respect that. I, I don't think I can explain that thoroughly enough. He's my hero, okay? I, I, I saw what God did, and I, I saw how God worked through him and, and the many different ways that he worked through him. And, and I look at him, and then I, one of the biggest fallacies we have as, as ministers is we compare ourselves too many times to somebody else, right? 
And, and I look at that man and I think, gosh, I'll never be him. I'll never have the, the intelligence that he has. I'll never be as smart as he is. Uh, I'll, I'll, never, uh, I'll never survive as much as he's had to survive. But at the same time, I think, you know what? I'm victorious in Christ Jesus. And I am who God created me to be. Boots and jeans and all. I, I am Gary Leo Dotson. I'm not Gary Rogers. God didn't call me to be him. God called me to be me. And so I've got to walk in my victory. I've got to walk in who He called me to be. Miss Carol told me before service, she said, your pastor did a good job, but he ain't my pastor. I'd lot rather hear my pastor than that pastor. He may be your pastor, but he ain't my pastor. I need to walk in the victory that's mine. And you need to walk in the victory that's yours. We have victory in Christ, and we need, to, we need to rise up, and we need to live in that. We need to walk in that every day, every day of our lives. Now, we still have an enemy, right? Uh, he, he's still on the attack. He's still doing everything he can to, to bring us down. He's still doing everything he can to, to, to overwhelm us, to overcome us, to, to make us feel defeated, right? To make us feel like we're less than what we really are. To get us to forget that we're created in the image of God. To get us to forget the victory that we've got in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the work of the enemy. Especially in these last days, guys. If he can diminish who you are and the authority that you have in Christ Jesus, he's going to do everything he can. See, he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that his time's running out. How many know the devil's time's running out? The devil's time is running out. He is, he is all but done. He's making his last play in these final days. He's doing everything he can to, to surge an onslaught. He's doing everything he can to surge an attack. But, but I'm telling you, we have victory in Christ Jesus. I came tonight to tell you that, that, that we have to walk in that victory. And so what that means is that we have to be a participant. We have to get involved. We have to participate. We have to be active. We have to be alert. We have to be on guard. We have to be prepping. We have to be getting ourselves ready. And we have to be involved in the battlefield that's going on around us. Amen. See, in these last days, the enemy is, is casting a war upon civilization. Sure. You know, at one time I would say he's casting a war on the United States of America. But listen, it goes beyond our borders. There's an onslaught, there's a war that's being raged tonight, uh, greater than the war that's being fought in the Ukraine. My heart and my prayer goes for the people of Ukraine. My heart and my prayer, uh, and, and I made this statement this morning, and I had some people ask me after service, Pastor, why would you say pray for Russia? We need to pray for Russia as much as we need to pray for the Ukraine, people. Because here's the truth, the people of Russia don't want the war with the Ukrainian people. They're protesting in the streets, and, and that vindictive leader, that dictator leader that they've got in Russia is actually arresting the people who are protesting the war that's going on. It's a war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine and it could spread through all of, of Europe. Uh, you know, it was mentioned this morning in the service and I, I saw the news report myself that, that Putin put his nuclear uh, arms on, on high alert, you know, put them on the highest status of, uh, of preparation so that they could possibly launch nuclear attacks because of sanctions that have been uh, put against them by, by various nations. And Lord goodness, what, what a horrible thought that, that someone who is insane, someone who is so demonic has the ability to push a button and destroy nations by the push of a button and has the authority to, to make a command like that. 
There's a war that's going on in, the, in Europe. There's a war that's going on around the world. Uh, but, but hear me tonight. Hear your pastor and, and understand what I'm trying to get across to you. There's a greater battle that's going on. And it's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. And I believe that God didn't bring us to, to this place. I don't believe He prepared us the way that He has. I, I don't believe God has sharpened our sword with a roar or with a whisper to get us to the place where we would be defeated. Jesus didn't come and live and die and, and, and go back to the Father so that we would have a, a defeat, but He came that we would have victory. Amen. And so I believe what He's called us to is to walk in that victory and to have a victory, a, a winning mentality for the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. I want to talk to you tonight, uh, as the Holy Spirit will allow, about winning this spiritual war. If you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Yes, I preached out of this text about 18 times, but it's okay. That just means I'm, I'm getting it down. I could preach out of it 18 more times and not have it all the way down. You could hear it 18 more times and not have it all the way down. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. The encouragement of the word is this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Stand therefore, having gird your waist with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. For all the saints. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Lord, thank you for the ability that, that, that you've given us together to focus and to glean from your word tonight. Lord, I, I pray for, for revelation knowledge to come alive in this room. I, I pray, God, our hearts and minds be drawn and focused upon you. And I ask you, Lord God, that, that, that you would make this word just come alive. God, there's a battle raging all around us. And I pray, Father, I pray, Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus, you have given us the ability to win. Now, Lord, let us walk in that winning attitude. Lord, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap if you wouldn't mind, please. I understand tonight from the Word of God, if you don't hear anything else I say to you, friend, you can win. You are a winner. The enemy would try to influence us and the enemy would try to impact us to think that, that we're already defeated, that we've already lost. But the fact of the matter is, you are victorious. You're an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, you overcome. We are victorious warriors in Jesus Christ and the victory is ours. I've read the final chapter. I've read the end of the book and, and the truth is we win. It may not always be a sunshiny day. It may not always be zippity-doo-dah. It may not always be the way we wished it was. But the fact of the matter is, the devil is a loser. The devil is a liar. And the devil loses. And we have victory over the spiritual battle that's raging all around us. The truth is, we're in a battle that started a long time ago. 
We're in a battle that's, that started long before Ukraine and, and Russia. The, the Word of God is very clear about the enemy of our soul. He hates us and He's working to bring suffering and anguish and pain and sorrow into our lives. He comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy's objective in this war is to get every child of God to quit. The enemy's objective in this war is to get every child of God to throw in the towel and say, It's too much. Have you ever been to the place where you said, it's too much? I'm sick of it all. Just forget about it. I'm just going to throw in the towel and I'm just going to live life and, and maybe the devil will leave me alone. Well, hear me tonight. If that thought has ever even crossed your mind, the devil will not leave you alone. He's out to drag you into an eternity in hell with him. The objective of the enemy of our soul is to, to get the children of God to be lukewarm. The, the, the objective of the enemy of our soul is, is to get the child of God to give up and to throw in the towel. Oh, oh, don't misunderstand me. He doesn't mind if you have some form of religion. He just doesn't want you to be serious and have a relationship with God. I believe with all my heart that there's this war between good and evil. I believe it's going on even tonight as we're here in this room. There's a war going on uh, many times on a, uh, on a Sunday morning when we're trying to broadcast, when we're trying to, to live stream our services so that, so that people around the world can hear the truth of the gospel message of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And, and many times there's technical difficulties that, that quite honestly we can't explain why that happened. Uh, we'll, we'll chalk it up and laugh about it and say, oh, we've got gremlins. Seems like those gremlins always show up on a Sunday morning. Or those gremlins will show up on a Sunday night. Or those gremlins will show up on a Wednesday night. Uh, whenever we're here around the church and, and doing practice or we're here around the church and just, just having uh, church by ourselves, we come into this room to pray of a morning and, uh, and seek the Lord and study the Word. There's not technical difficulties that go on during that time. The enemy would even attack our technology and our, our methodology of presenting the Word of God. There's, there's this ongoing battle, there's this onslaught of attack between good and evil. The, the war in Ukraine is not a war between the Russians and the Ukrainians, it's a war between good and evil. The, the battle in the, uh, in the White House is not a, a battle between Democrat and Republican, it's a battle between good and evil. You can figure out which side's what. <laughs> this battle between light and darkness, this battle between good and evil, started in heaven eons ago and spilled over to the earth. It's a war that the enemy knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's no match for God, right? The enemy knows that, that there's no way he could ever defeat the Father. There's, there's no way he could ever stand against the Son. There, there's no way he could even stand against one angel that belongs to the Lord. And so what's he going to do? He's going to pick on you. He's going to pick on the apple of God's eye. He sees you as weak and defenseless. Oh, that's, that's the Father and He has all the authority. That's the Father. He has all the power. That's the Son. There's authority in His name. But oh, Ron Stinson, He's weak and puny and pathetic. There's, we'll just launch an attack against Him and, and we'll wage all of hell against Him. What the devil has forgotten is, is greater is He who is in us than He who's in the world. 
What the devil has forgotten is, when he comes in like a flood, my God will raise up a standard against him. What the enemy has forgotten is that I belong to the tribe of the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm in covenant agreement with the king of glory. I promise to give my life over to him, to live it for his glory and for his fame. And he promises to protect me, to provide for me, and to give me authority to win the battle that the enemy would launch against me. <laughs> Without question, no matter if we, if we recognize it or not, no matter if we would even admit to it or not, everybody faces spiritual battles. I think we need to recognize them for what they are. We need to see it for what it is. It's a spiritual battle. And you don't have to lose a spiritual battle. You can win, thus says the word of the Lord. The really good news is the word of God doesn't just tell us that there's going to be a spiritual battle, but it gives us instruction. It tells us how we can win this fight. So how do we win this spiritual war? Well... It begins by being prepared. You can't do anything if you're not prepared. Look at verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Thank God for the preparing power of the Word of God. Say that three times fast and you got the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the preparing power of the Word of God. I'm a strong believer in being prepared. I'm a strong believer in being ready for whatever it is you're going to do. I've, I've had pastor friends of mine uh, that have told me, uh, what do you mean you've got all them sermon notes? Well, I just take up a text and go in the pulpit and I take off from there. Yes, and you never land that airplane either. I had another old preacher man tell me one time that you got to have a little wood and you got to have a little paper sometimes to build a fire. There's nothing wrong with having sermon notes. There's nothing wrong with being prepared. There's nothing wrong with being ready for whatever it is that God's called you to do. If preaching breaks out and he takes you a different direction, then by me, all means, follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. But you got to start someplace. You got to have a taking off point. You got to have a landing point. I believe you ought to be prepared. If you were to go out and look in the back end of my pickup truck right now, you would, you'd find things like jumper cables. You'd find a tow rope. You'd find spare tools. Uh, yes, Gary Cook, they belong to my daddy, my granddaddy, but, but, but there's tools there, okay? You'd find a spare tire underneath the back end of that pickup truck, and you'll even find a, a change of clothes underneath the back seat. There's a blanket that's stuffed in back there. There's a, an emergency flare kit that's underneath the back seat. Accidents happen. Uh-ohs come to pass. And so we've got to be prepared for when the truck breaks down or, or somebody at the grocery store needs a jump to start their car or, or, or somebody gets stuck in the mud and you've got to go pull them out or, or God forbid you have a flat tire on the way home and you have to get out in the rain and change that thing. You're going to need some clothes to put on when you get done because you still got to go to Brahms. I never was a, a Boy Scout. My daddy was a woodsly kind of a guy. He, uh, he was an outdoorsman, and he, 
Uh, he lived and breathed being out, outdoors. Liked to coon hunt and, and fish and hunt and, uh, and do it all. And Daddy always taught me that it's a whole lot better to have something and not need it than to need something and not have it. Now understand, my father was a hoarder, and he had all kinds of stuff that he really didn't need. <laughs> stuff stacked up on top of stuff that was stacked up on top of stuff. But, but if you needed something, you could always say, hey, Dad, where is? Hey, Dad, do you have one of those? And Daddy would say, yes, son, it's right over there. He knew exactly where every tool was unless I'd been using it. He knew where all the, his, his equipment was at and, and where it came from and how long he'd had it. He was prepared. Listen, being prepared keeps you out of a lot of trouble. Being prepared keeps you uh, prepared in advance, keeps you from, from running into something that you're not expecting to happen. If you're prepared ahead of time, you're a lot better off than if you're not. Here you pastor. As important as it is to be prepared physically, it's even more so important to be prepared spiritually. Amen. We need to be ready for the battle that we're going to walk into tomorrow morning. Sometimes, sister, we need to lay down the microphone and walk to the altar and just say, Lord God, I just give it to you tonight. I need your strength. I surrender to you. God, prepare me for whatever's coming. Sometimes we need to spend some time in preparation spiritually. The Bible says we're supposed to put on the, the whole armor of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. To put on the armor of the Lord. That belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Those, those shoes with the gospel and, and that shield of faith and the, the faith and the helmet of salvation. Are a sword of the Spirit and, and to take up the, the spear of the Holy Ghost. In other words, be prepared for battle. Be prepared for war every day when you walk out of the house. Pastor, I'm just going to the grocery store. Pastor, I'm just going down to drink coffee with the guys. Pastor, I'm going to a Bible study. Why do I need to be prepared? Pastor, I'm coming to the church. Why do I need to be prepared? Well, you've got to get from there to here. And even while you're here, things can go on. Man, how awesome would it be if when people walked in the door of the building and walked through that foyer, and sat down in a pew, and Sister Julie said, okay, come on, get on your feet, let's worship the Lord. People are already standing up going, let's get it. I'm prepared to worship God before I ever walk in the door. I'm prepared to do spiritual battle before I ever leave my house. So how do we get there? Well, we know we need to put on the whole armor of God, but... And he attacks us in the times we're not least expecting it. He attacks us in those moments when, when we think everything's fine. He attacks us when, when we think all the, the, the world around us is good. And, and he attacks us on the bad days too. So how are we prepared continually? Well, I believe we need to do it with those other weapons that the Lord has given us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5 through 5 says that though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of stronghold, for the casting down of arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Come on. We might walk around in the flesh and blood, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood weapons. They're mighty. For the pulling down of strongholds, for the breaking of chains, 
for the breakthrough that you need the most in your life. God has given you weapons for a victory, for a breakthrough. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So how do I prepare myself for the war that's waging around me? Every day I get out of that bed and I'll say, Lord God, I plead the blood over my life. I plead the blood over my children. I plead the blood over my wife. I plead the blood over my work. God, I plead the blood over travel. I I plead the blood over my my ministry. God, my church family, these people I love and care about. God, we plead the blood. We plead the blood. We plead the blood. I mean, oh, there's still power in the blood of the Lamb. There's still power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power to save in the blood. There's power to heal in the blood. There's power to restore and recover in the blood. And there's power of victory over the spiritual war that's going on around us through the blood of the Lamb of God. We prepare with the name of Jesus. We prepare with praise and worship. Listen. You want to sharpen your sword? You want to get ready? Get past your stinking self. Get over yourself. Well, I, you know, I, it's just not my personality. You know what? Your nature was different at one time as well. The Bible says we're all born with a sin nature. The Bible says we're all born sinners, right? Are y'all still here? You don't like it when I step on your toes. Get over that too. Come on. Well, it's, it's just not my personality. That's just not who I am. You know what? Guess, guess what? We, we all were different people at one time. But through the saving grace of Jesus Christ, we've been made a new creation. Amen. You are born again. You're brand new. You're blood bought. Yes. You ought to be the most radical worshiper on planet earth. Yes. Are you telling me how to worship? No, I'm just telling you who to worship. And if we're worshiping Him, there wouldn't be any restrictions. There wouldn't be any restraints. There would be no limitations. There would be no hindrances. There wouldn't be anything holding us back. There wouldn't be anything to say, Oh, I, I, I just, I, I'm going to save my worship for a better day. He deserves my best worship tonight. He deserves our best ministry tonight. Oh, I'll wait and preach this sermon when there's a room full of people. Listen, if I wait for a room full of people, I may never preach it. I'm going to preach the best thing he's got for me every time I walk in the pulpit. I'm going to preach a right now word. Why? Because he deserves my best. And we need to be prepared to do the things that he's called us to do and be who he's called us to be. Man, if we wait until times when that that battle really gets to raging, oh, I'll pray. I'll pray when times get bad. Has it come to that? (laughs) That's That's the thing around our house. We'll... We don't do anything that we don't pray. We ate out, I was it Saturday night, and we were at a Mexican joint up in town, and, and we blessed our meal as we always do, and a man was sitting across the room from us, walked across the, the restaurant, and he said, hey, I, I just want to say how it blessed me to watch somebody else pray over their food. Amen. First of all, I'm eating at a Mexican joint, dude. <laughs> I really need God to bless this stuff. I I really need God to anoint it before it ever comes in my body. (laughs) I don't know if it's Chihuahua. I don't know. (laughs) No, I said Mexican, not Chinese, so we're good. (laughs) Preach. Get back to preaching. 
What if we wait until things get really bad? Has it come to that? Is it bad enough for me to pray over? Is it, is it bad enough for me to take it to God yet? Or, or can I still take care of it on my own? What if we go ahead and take it to God before? What if we already have a conversation established with God uh, and, and it's just a, a continuation of that conversation? You know, just because you say amen doesn't mean that it's over. I tell my wife I love her every morning when she walks out the door. I tell her I love her every night when she goes to bed. But I'm liable to, to text her and, and tell her I love her through the middle of the day again. Just because I told her goodbye and I love her doesn't mean my conversation with her was over for the day. Just because we pray and we say amen doesn't mean our conversation with God has to end. Keep talking to him all day long. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be a well-oiled mechanism. Worship him. Read your Bible. These are the things that prepare us for the battles that are around us. Spend time in the altars. If my pastor can be blunt with you this morning, I'll be blunt with you tonight. You need to spend time in the altars, folks. Uh, Consider something. When was the last time you were there? When was the last time you spent time in the altars? Oh, preacher, I can pray right here where I'm at. Oh, preacher, it hurts me to get down and go down there and pray. Oh, preacher this and oh, preacher that. Where's our faith? Well, I'm believing God to turn our nation around. I'm believing God for for this, and I'm believing God for that. But I'm not believing God to give me the strength to get up from my knees once I get down there and pray. Ouch. Chirp, 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 chirp. The cricket's in the back room. I heard them, yes. We need to spend time in the altars. There's something that happens here that doesn't happen back there. Say what you want to say. Disagree with me if you want to disagree. The only thing I can say is you haven't spent time in the altars if you don't know it's different here than it is back there. God's God every place. I agree with you 100%. But when you make the effort to get up from where you're at and make a move to the front of the church, listen, God will meet with you in a supernatural, dynamic way. There's something special that happens in the altars. We need to prepare ourselves through prayer. We need to prepare ourselves through the reading of the Word. We need to prepare ourselves through worship. We need to prepare ourselves through spending time with, in the altars. We need to prepare ourselves by spending time around brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Hang out together. Right. I'm going to get on that in a minute, but we need one another. How do we prepare for this spiritual war? Or how, how do we win the spiritual war? Well, we've got to be prepared and... Another way we can win this spiritual war is this. We've we got to know who the enemy is we're fighting. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, the Word says, We don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. How many understand tonight that the enemy of your soul is cunning? He's really good at his job. Yes, I know my God is smart. My God is superior. My God is, my God is abundantly uh, a million times above and beyond the enemy. But that doesn't take away from His ability to do the evil that He does. The Word of God has many names to describe the enemy of our soul. The Bible calls Him the accuser of the brethren. 
It calls him the adversary, the angel of light, the antichrist, the god of this age, the deceiver, the dragon, the evil one, the father of lies, the lawless one, the Lucifer, the man of sin, the prince of the power of the air, a roaring lion, rulers of darkness, Satan, serpent, thief, whatever it is that you might call him, understand this tonight. His objective in life is to diminish you and to bring you down to his level. Whatever you might choose to call the devil, it all comes down to this. He's not your friend, he's your enemy. One of the quickest ways to lose a fight is to not know who it is you're fighting. One of the quickest ways to, to lose the war is by not recognizing who the enemy really is. What if right now in Ukraine, the Ukrainian president said, we're going to attack Poland. We're so tired of them crossing our our borders and sending missiles at us. We're going to go and launch all-out offensive against Poland. It's not Poland that's attacking them. It's Russia. The people of Ukraine are, are, are standing up. They have a backbone. They have a spine. There's a leader in that man who won't turn and run because a trucker convoy is coming his way. He's a man who stands up to missiles and a man who has power of nuclear weapons at his, at his command. And he's willing to make a stand of opposition against him because he knows who the weapon and the enemy really is. He knows where his fight's coming from. It's not coming from from some different adversary. It's not coming from some unnamed foe. He knows that his main opposition comes from Russia. It comes from Putin himself. Listen, if we don't know who it is that we're fighting, we're going to waste all our time and all our energy fighting against somebody else that's really not our enemy. One of the things that stand out to me the most about the ministry of my Savior Jesus is this. He always recognized when it was the demonic spirit that he was dealing with. He always recognized when it was the devil himself that he was confronting. He always recognized the what behind the who. It was always the enemy behind the opposition that was coming his way. Listen, one of, the, one of the God's people's greatest needs is discernment of spirit to understand who it is that's our opposition. And we like to play the blame game. Blame, 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 blame. Interpretation, please. We like to play the blame game. Game. Say that three times fast and you got the Holy Ghost. Well, it's, it's my wife's fault. You know, she ran off that, that other man. She goes up there every other weekend to spend time with him. He's a whole lot cuter than I am. You know this, this grandparent deal we've been playing where you post a picture and, and everybody responds and says, oh, how cute and oh, how precious. About the third day in, I was really offended whenever I figured out that that picture that Vonda posted of me and Summit, they weren't talking about me being cute. They were talking about Summit being cute. And I was, really? Oh, man, I thought they meant I was precious. I, didn't, I mean, I, I don't know. It's my wife's fault. She ran off on me. It's my husband's fault. He's cheated on me my entire life. I'm going to attack him. Uh, hey, it's, it's my mom and dad's fault. Mom and dad were so mean to me. They were so abusive to me when I was a child. And so that's the reason why I am the way I am. Well, it's the government's fault. You know that, right? I mean, 
Let, let's, blame, let's blame the Democrats. No, let's blame the Republicans. No, let's blame the Independents. If they'd vote one way or the other, it'd all get figured out. Somebody else's fault. It's that church down the road. You know, it's them Baptist people. If them Baptist people would ever get filled with the Holy Ghost, I mean, we could all have church. But now we shun them in the grocery store. And my priestly robes. Oh. It's not them. It's not mom and dad. It's not whoever did something to you. It's the force that was behind them. And, and quite honestly, people do things and they say things and they act ways many times that, that is so far out of their nature. It's not them. It's not the people that's attacking you. It's not the, the husband or the wife who's, who's doing bad stuff to you. It's the enemy behind them or the enemy working through them to accomplish evil in your life. Now, it doesn't mean that we just completely let them off. They had to be obedient and subjective unto the enemy to allow that to come to pass. But at the same time, we have to recognize where the battle really comes from. God, I just, if you just kill them people, just take them, just destroy them all, Lord. David prayed, Dad, I've told you that before. David, David said, Lord, just destroy all of my enemies. Just destroy all of my enemies. It's not the enemy's fault all the time. Sometimes it's the enemy behind the enemy that's motivating them to do the evil. Jesus said we're supposed to pray for our enemies. Wow, what a revelation. Those people did me wrong. I'll pray for them. I'll pray for their brakes to go out. I'll pray for them. I'll pray for a big old wart to come up on the end of their nose. That's right, I'll pray for them. No. The Lord said, bless those who curse you. Pray blessings upon them. I'm, I'm a believer, and my wife is the, the queen of it, of heaping coals. Heaping coals. Do you know what that means to heap coals on somebody? The nicer you are to somebody who's evil to you, the worse they're going to feel when you're nice to them. Heap coals. I'm just going to love you. That's all I can do. I don't love your actions. I don't love what you're doing. I don't love your, your attitude. I don't love how the, you've allowed the enemy to work through you. I don't love the words that come out of you. But I am going to love you and I am going to respect you and I am going to care for you. We've got to recognize the enemy and then do spiritual warfare. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 says, For we're not ignorant of his, the enemy's devices. We need to be aware of what He's working through. We need to be aware of, of what He uses to attack us. Does anybody have buttons? I'm not talking about the ones on your shirt. Does anybody have buttons? You know what a button is? A button is that thing that just sets you off. You push that button and... It's a nuclear explosion. Do you know what my wife's button is? Her mama. You can talk about me, you can talk about my sisters, but don't you talk about my mama. And so when I really want to stir up a fight, you know what I talk about? <laughs> we all have buttons. My, my button right now is, is my kids. My button right now is my big brother. 
I love my brother. We had years and years and years of separation. We had years and years and years where the enemy tried to drive a wedge between our relationship and our friendship. There's 10 years difference between me and Larry, and, and we, we couldn't be any more different. He pastors a Baptist church. Lord God help him. I get to pastor you sweet people. I don't know what he's got, okay? We couldn't be any more different. But since my mama, since our mama passed away, God has restored and healed that friendship and that relationship. And I'm closer to him right now probably than I've ever been before. And, and I'll talk bad about him if I want to because he's my brother, but y'all better leave him alone. And Vonda says the same thing about her mama. I'll talk bad about my mama if you want to. She's an old, stinky, Pentecostal woman who wears entirely too much perfume. <laughs> Flamboyant, over the top, too much. And she's a chip off the old block. Bing, 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 bing. Pushing that button. But here's the deal. Every one of us in this room has got a button. For some, it may be your mama. For some, it may be your grandkids. Sure. Don't you talk about my grandbabies. <laughs> For some, it may be uh, some accomplishment that you've done in your life. For some, it may be some... Can I tell you tonight? The devil, the enemy of our soul, knows what your buttons are. He knows what to push to, to get you upset. He knows what to push to get you aggravated. And He knows how to send the right person along at the right time to push your button. And, and what I have to recognize so many times, it's not Tommy Tucker all the time. Oh, you're sitting there. I'm sorry. I got it. Yeah. Sometimes the enemy works through any of us, right? I told you about my friend Bob a couple of weeks ago. I loved old man. I loved that old man. He, he was a good friend to me. We, we were close. And, and his wife, man, I counted her as, as family. Brother Bob, somebody new would walk into the church and he'd look at him and go, where'd you get that hairdo? He didn't mean nothing bad. He was just trying to be funny. He said the first time he ever went to church, everybody acted like a stick in the mud. So he wanted to kind of break it up a little bit and make people smile. He didn't understand that what necessarily came in here every time wasn't supposed to come out there. Where'd you get a hairdo like that? And then people would turn and walk out the door and never come back. Because he pushed their button. He didn't mean any evil by it. And it wasn't that he was demonically possessed or necessarily a bad guy. It was just the enemy working through the words that came out of his mouth. Sometimes your pastor pushes your buttons. You get mad at me, you know you do. <laughs> I can't believe he'd say something like that. Bless God. We all have buttons. Yes. And the enemy works through some of the most easy sources to push our buttons. We have to recognize it for what it is. It's not that person. It's not necessarily the actions that they're trying to do. But many times it's the, the, the why behind the who. It's the enemy that's trying to, to infiltrate and create division and conflict and problems. Man, if we're going to win, we've got to recognize the, the enemy. One more thing I want to share with you tonight about how to win this spiritual war, and that's this. You've got to be awake you got to be alert. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. You knew I'd get here eventually. 1 Peter 5 and 8, and the New King James says, Be sober, be vigilant, 
Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the Message Bible reads it like this. I want you to hear this tonight. The Message Bible says, Be cool-headed. Be cool-headed. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Stay alert. He's poised to pounce and would like to do nothing better than to catch you napping. Anybody like a good nap besides your pastor? Oh, my goodness. I was so glad to see my pastor today, but I was so thankful when he finally said, well, I guess we ought to go home so I could go home and take a nap this afternoon. The absolute truth that it's probably not going to make you want to shout or jump or run the aisles, but the absolute truth is there's always going to be another fight. Either you're in the midst of a spiritual battle right now, or you just came out of a spiritual battle, or you're getting ready to go into a spiritual battle. Woo! Wave my hanky. Hallelujah. Glory. Yes! Man, that's it's kind of overwhelming sometimes, isn't it? But the truth is, should the Lord tarry, we're going to continue to encounter conflict. We're going to continue to go through fights. We're going to continue to have battles. So we need to be awake. We need to be alert. We need to be watching. We need to stand fast. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch and stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong. The intent of 1 Peter chapter 5 is that we would keep our head on a swivel. Be looking around all the time. Watching. The enemy could creep up on me from behind the bushes. The enemy could creep up on behind me in an area that I'm not even looking for. I I could be just going about doing life, doing my normal activities, my normal routine, and and the devil slip in. Now that doesn't mean we go looking for a devil under every rock, no. But what it does mean is that we're alert and we're awake. And wise to the devices of the enemy. And how he attacks us and what our buttons are and how we can set up fortification around and about those buttons and how we can be prepared when the enemy would come our way. I've shared this story with you before, but I like it, so I'm going to tell it again. When Sister Vaughn and I were first married, we, we had 20 acres out in the country in Redbird, Oklahoma. You don't know where Redbird is, then you probably have never been to that part of the state, and, and it's perfectly fine. You, you probably would drive right through it and never even know that it was there. I think there's a post office there. Uh, it's the only thing that's in Redbird, Oklahoma. We lived kind of uh, across the highway from Redbird, but we still called ourselves Redbirdites because that was the closest community and closest mailbox to us, and so that's, that's what we claimed as home. We were about three miles from the Arkansas River bottoms, and uh, the Arkansas River was there. It was a very pretty place. There were sod farms that were all down in that area. And, and farmers would raise winter wheat and farmers would raise soybeans. And uh, all the, the agricultural crops were down there close to the river. And uh, it, it was just a, it was a really a pretty, pretty place. And one of the things that I really enjoyed a lot then, I didn't have a, uh, as great a deer hunting spot as I have right now. And so I was really into duck and goose hunting at that particular time in my life. 
And down in those bottoms around the Arkansas River, uh, in, in the fall of the year, uh, the ducks and the geese would, would follow that migration trail of the Arkansas River and they'd, they'd fly that path going south. And it was nothing to drive past a winter wheat field or nothing to drive past a, a soybean field that had been cut. And there'd just be thousands and thousands of snow geese that would, that would be out in this field uh, eating. And, and I'd made some friendships from the time that we lived there. I'd made some uh, contacts from the time that we lived there with some of the farmers who owned these fields. And uh, they, they were more than excited to have you say, uh, can I come and hunt there? Because you would just be, your mind would be boggled at the destruction a thousand snow geese can do to a field. It, it can strip uh, down a winter wheat field to make it look like the carpet in this room. They can destroy a field from, from, from walking around on it, from eating it, and from leaving their droppings behind from after you know, consuming all the winter wheat. A, a field can be destroyed overnight because of a, a, a goose population coming in and, and eating it. So one of the things I really like to do for the locations that I had permission to, I'd see those snow geese and I'd drive past them and I'd get out and I'd find a tree line and I'd go creeping down that tree line with that 12 gauge trying to get just as close to those geese as I possibly could. Sometimes they'd, they'd get an eyeball on me and, and one would start to look and they'd start chattering at one another. <laughs> 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 it's just a kind of a low little rumble the geese would do back and forth. They were, they were communicating back and forth. Hey, there's some dummy with a 12-gauge coming our way. Hey, there's some, guy that's, there's some guy that's coming. And the whole thousand geese would start walking away. If there's a thousand geese and there were 2,000 eyes, and they're looking at you the whole time, I've had times, <laughs> kind of embarrassed to say it now, but them geese would be trying to walk away from me. And, and that field would just be muddy, it'd be fresh plowed or fresh cultivated where they'd, they'd gone in and, and harvested the soybeans and, and I'd take off running just as hard as I could across that field. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> Slip and fall and mud and crud and goose dookie and uh, just bleh. <laughs> everywhere. It's wonderful. It was worth it. <laughs> thousand geese, two thousand eyes. And all it would take would be one home. And away they'd all go. And if you think a thousand geese is an, a magnificent sight to see, you ought to hear a thousand geese getting on wing together all at one time. It's overwhelming. It's powerful. Learned something from them geese a long time ago. They were looking out for one another. I've got your back. And if I see the enemy coming, if I see some yahoo creeping up the tree line with a 12 gauge, I'm going to tell you about it. And me and you, we're going to fly out of here so he can't get us. Nobody in this room understands the word I'm saying. Come on, we need one another. Those geese needed one another. It wasn't always the same one on guard. Some of them had to eat sometime. And so while this one's eating, the other one's watching. While this one's working, while this one's at school, while this one's broken down, while this one's broken hearted, somebody else has got to be watching for them. 
Mm. We got to have one another, y'all. We need to help each other to watch. We got to the place where we're afraid to tell one another the truth. We're afraid to tell somebody when we, when we see wrong happening in their life. When we see the enemy infiltrating and beginning to get victories in their life. It's our responsibility as a goose. Oh. 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 Listen, brother, I love you. Listen, I love you. I, I want to start our conversation by telling you I love you. And I don't want to cross any boundaries with you, but I have to let you know. I have to let you know the things that I've observed. You're not faithful to God's house. You're not serving God like you were. You're not as passionate. You're not as on fire. You're not as in love with God as I've seen you in our friendship. And if that's a real friend, guess what? They're not going to get offended at that. If they're a real friend and you go to them in love, and not an arrogant, haughty, hot-headed spirit, but you go to them in love and say, Hey, listen. When was the last time you was in the altars? That's a legitimate question for one Christian to ask another Christian. It's okay. Oh, pastor, what if I offend them? What if you don't offend them and they die and go to hell? What if you don't step on their toes? What if you don't offend them? Well, what if they don't ever come back to church again? Listen, they might as well not go to church as go to church and play. We need each other. Hebrews 10 and 25, of course, in the New King James says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, so much more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. But, but here's what the Living Bible says. Hebrews 10 and 25 in the Living Bible says, let us, let us not neglect our church meetings, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of His coming back again is drawing near. Let us encourage and warn each other. Man, why do we come to church? I appreciate you coming to hear your pastor preach. I love you, and I'm so grateful that you'll come on a Wednesday night. We do still have church on a Wednesday night. I'm thankful that you'll come on a Sunday evening and be a part. I'm thankful that that there's people here on a Sunday morning. But why are we really here? Yes, we need to glean from the Word. Yes, we need corporate worship. Yes, we need corporate prayer. But we need to encourage one another and warn one another. We're building relationships. I've had the greatest time getting to know this, this couple. Carrie, Steve, I, I love you guys. I'm so glad that God brought you to our church. And little by little, in every restaurant that we meet in, <laughs> I said I was eating in a Mexican joint. When we were walking out the door, they were sitting down to get their salsa. Getting to know them. I'm establishing a friendship and a relationship with them. And you know what that does? That, that opens the door of their trust so that now I can speak into their lives and say, Hey, listen. 
I love you, but. It's okay to tell somebody, I love you, but. I'm not going there, so leave me alone. I love you and. Von Decay. Where are we at as a people? Where are we at as a church? Where, and I'm not talking about Lone Grove. I'm talking about that big umbrella. And I'm talking about the big tent, the, the church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the blood-bought, the redeemed. Where are we at as a body of Christ? Where did we ever buy into the lie that we're afraid to talk to somebody? Because we care about them and we're concerned about them. We're supposed to be alert. Yes, we need to be alert for ourselves, but guess what? In the process of watching out for me, I get to watch out for you as well. That's my job as your shepherd. I'm supposed to keep the wolves at bay. I'm supposed to, to crack them in the head every once in a while and crack you in the head every once in a while. Do you know that, that rod and that staff that, that the psalmist talks about? Do you know what they were actually for, for the sheep? They were for correction. And that, that rod... It was actually for if a little sheep was prone to, to wander away, if that little sheep was prone to, to continue to get off by itself, the rod was actually for breaking the legs of the sheep so that it would learn, man, I need to stay close to the herd. I need to stay close to the shepherd. And he, he would mend and he would heal. He'd, he'd correct, he'd direct, but then he would mend and he would heal and bring them back to a place of I'm watching out for you so that the wolves can't come get you. I'm watching out for you so that a lion and a bear doesn't come and take you away. I'm watching out for you so that you don't wander off. You, you get to eat in your little grass and you wander off and, and you've just, you just dropped off a hill and we don't know what happened to you or where you went. You know, in eight years of, of pastoring this church, I can think back and see faces and people He used to sit around this room and in these pews. There's a young couple that's been on my heart. I haven't seen them in about three weeks, but I have no way of contacting them. I don't know how to get a hold of them any way, shape, form, or fashion. I just wandered off, eating, busy, doing my thing, just just doing life. And the next thing you know, we hadn't been to church in a month. And the next thing you know, our spiritual sword is is so rusty and tarnished and and at a place where when the enemy does come along, he just devours us and takes us away. Because we weren't alert. And the people that were supposed to be alert for us neglected us. I don't want to stand in heaven one day and have the Lord go, Hey Gary, those people's blood's on your hand. That'd be the worst thing for me as... As a man of God. Not just as a pastor, but as a man of God. I, I don't want to stand before Him and hear Him say, they went to hell because you didn't tell them. They went to hell because you didn't correct them. They went to hell because you didn't preach the truth to them. They went to hell because you didn't break their legs. I won't let Him say that to me. I, I will. Mm, mm-mm. We got to stick together. I need you and you need me. When I get out of line, I need you to tell me, hey, pastor, you're messed up in the head. And I'll say, yes, brother, you're right. My wife tells me that all the time. 
Spiritual war. Spiritual warfare. I want to win. I know the end of the book. I know the end of the story says we win. I get that. But why should I have to wait till heaven to to have victory? Why should I have to wait to heaven to, to win this battle? I want to win everything the enemy throws my way. But I got to be prepared. I got to know who I'm fighting. I got I to be awake. I got to be alert. You ain't getting me today, devil. Not today, devil. Right? You want to win? Do you want to win? Why don't you get on your feet tonight? Sister Julie Dennis. There's victory in Jesus. There's victory in Jesus. I don't want to wait for heaven for victory. Oh, there will be great victory in heaven. (laughs) There will not be anything that enters heaven that's an abomination. Not a lie, not not any evil, not any sin, not any abomination, not not any sickness, not not anything that's evil before the eyes of God will enter into heaven. That will be the ultimate victory. Jesus. Jesus came to bring us victory right here, right now. Right here, right now. And so it's up to us to walk in that victory. It's up to us to win this spiritual war. Count on God for your source and your strength. Prepare yourselves every day. Know who you're fighting. And by all means, stay awake. You bow your heads with me. Father, I love you tonight. God, I thank you and I praise you. Every set of ears, every heart in this room, God, I thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and the ability to to minister your word. Thank you, Lord God, that, that you call us to a place of understanding, growth, spiritual maturity. Lord, war is not for the faint of heart. War is not for babies. But Lord, war is for the the spiritually mature, the the child, the son, the daughter, the thoroughly equipped soldier in the army of the Lord. Lord, there's a battle raging around this planet greater than any physical battle. A battle between good and evil. A battle between light and dark. Lord, you came that we might walk in victory. Lord, I pray victory over every home, every family, every life. God, may we win this spiritual war. We love you tonight. Father, we praise you. We give you glory in Christ's name. Please, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this room tonight, say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need Him to be my Savior. I need Him to be my Lord. See, apart from Christ, there is no victory. Apart from Jesus, we're we're out there on our own trying to do it. Many people suffer loss and failure because they fail to recognize who it is that they need to depend on in the midst of the battle the most. I'll be there to stand by your side, but victory's not found in Pastor Gary. This church will be there to help you in whatever physical needs you may have, but your victory is not in this church. Your victory truly is in the name of Jesus. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus, 
you can be saved. Friend, that's the beginning of winning that spiritual war. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I need Jesus to save my soul. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand right there where you're standing tonight, anywhere in this room. Pastor, that's me. I need Christ to save my soul. Bless you, Lord. You want to win? I want to win. I've always had this ultra, uber, overwhelming desire to win instilled in me from the time I started playing t-ball daddy'd say why do you go if you don't want to win why are you on the field if you're not trying to win I married a very competitive woman she wants to win it doesn't matter if we're playing dominoes or if we're playing monopoly or if we're driving home after church she wants to win I believe you want to win as well We're not competing against one another. It's the enemy of our soul. And you've got victory already. It's walking in that victory. It's not walking out the door. It's walking in the victory. Can you around this room tonight begin that victory walk by spending time in conversation with our Father? Can you take some time tonight and just spend it in prayer? God bless you as you seek the Lord. With weapons unseen, your enemies crash to their knees as we cry out in worship. When trials unleash like a flood, the battle belongs to our God as we cry out in worship. The victory is yours, you're riding on the storm, your name is unfailing, though kingdoms rise and fall, your throne stands in all, your name is unshaken. What helmet to break me has failed Now nothing will silence my praise I will cry out in worship The walls of the prison will shake The chain-breaking king will rise to save As we cry out in worship the victory is yours you're riding on the storm your name 
kingdoms rise and fall, your throne withstands it all. Your name is unshaken, the victory is yours, you're riding on the storm. Your name is unfailing, though kingdoms rise and fall, your throne withstands it all. Your name is Your name is 
Let's stand and sing it to him. Your throne withstands it all. Your throne withstands it all. Your name is unshaken. The victory is yours. The victory is yours. Your name is unfailing. Though kingdoms rise and fall, your throne withstands it all. Victory is His. He is unshakable. Father, I thank You. Thank You for the day that You blessed us with. Thank You for our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Thank You, Lord, for family, love. Thank You, Lord God, for victory. Lord, there's a battle that's raging, but the victory is Yours. Through you, we find victory. Lord, walk with us this week, I pray. Guard over these people I love so much. Protect them, Lord. Lord, when the enemy begins to creep in on one of our brothers or our sisters, God, remind us to honk. Remind us to cry out. Lord, I love you. I praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Have an awesome, awesome week.